and welcome to Additive Insight, your source for news, interviews and comment on the latest 3D printing and additive manufacturing intelligence brought to you by the TCT content team. I'm your host Laura Griffiths, TCT Head of Content and on this episode we're continuing our executive interview series with a conversation with Carlos Vicker, Chief Commercial Officer at AMFlow. The Netherlands-based startup is a developer of automation technologies which tackle the post-printing part of the AM production workflow. Combining 3D shape identification and a mix of hardware and software intelligence, AMFlow addresses those important end-to-end process steps which need to be considered to position additive as a scalable production technology. During our conversation, we discuss the company's latest developments, why these solutions will be necessary for 3D printing to reach its true manufacturing potential, and the readiness of the AM market for this level of automation. As always, if you like what you hear, you can get your free print subscription to TST Magazine and receive the biggest 3D printing news stories delivered straight to your inbox every week with our Additive Insight newsletter by subscribing for free at tstmagazine.com. You can also let us know what you think on social at the TST Magazine and join in the discussion on the Additive Manufacturing Global Community Discord. But first, a word from our sponsor, Ultimaker. Ultimaker are a manufacturer of desktop extrusion-based 3D printers that can help streamline your workflow and save you time and money. Ultimaker printers offer industrial-grade material options backed by an extensive materials alliance program and they're also paired with trusted Cura slicing software which recently surpassed a milestone of 2 million users. For the decade in the additive manufacturing industry, Ultimaker machines have been used by a wide range of industrial customers for a range of applications. For more info, click the link in the description or visit mytct.co forward slash ultimakerpod. So hi Carlos, thank you very much for joining us on the Additive Insight podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing fine and thank you for having me on the podcast. No worries, it's good to catch up again after we first spoke around Form Next. Yes, it's been a while since then and a lot has changed in the world. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, interesting times. But for those of our listeners who may still be unfamiliar with AMFlow, uh, can you just tell us, first of all, who are AMFlow and what you bring into the additive manufacturing market? Well, AMFlow is a scale-up company based in the Netherlands and we focus on generating what we call the additive manufacturing workflow automation. So basically helping companies to automate all the steps once a part comes out of the printer, so to speak. And just before we dive in more, I just wouldn't mind asking a little bit about your background because I know you've had previous experience with other companies in the additive manufacturing industry. Do you wanna just give us kind of a brief of your experience with additive manufacturing? Yeah, sure. Um, I got into uh, additive manufacturing in 2006. I was then part of a group of four people leading uh, a corporate venturing unit at Philips. And uh, we were giving uh, a sort of a free reign to develop all sorts of new ideas and bringing in new growth points for the companies. And one of those areas that we uh, researched was actually 3D printing. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the projects, the working projects first, and then they became later companies, was a, was a, a, an initiative called U-Design. And that later was a spin-out, and that became known as Shapeways. So um, I was the coach mentor way back in 2006 of Shapeways, and we spun it out, and it landed then in New York with some very serious venture capital investors, Union Square mm-hmm. Venture and Index. 
And um, after that period, um, later on in 2012, I became an independent consultant and Shapebase was again one of my clients. So I've been helping them with their growth strategy till on, with, with assignments on and off. And in 2017, I was also at interim their chief commercial officer in New York for approximately 10, 11 months. Mm-hmm. Um, other assignments were with uh, Ultimaker, which um, I also helped define the uh, strategy at a certain point in 2014. And uh, so I've been in and out of the 3D market uh, uh, since 2006. So you've got a very thorough understanding then of various parts of the additive manufacturing market and some of them which lend themselves very, very well to some of the products which AMFlow is bringing to market. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about the products themselves then. Um, AMFlow consists of this range of kind of hardware and software connected solutions. Can you tell us how it works? What is the core of this solution and kind of the benefits that it brings? Yeah, sure. So the, the key thing around it is that... Um, um, the issue we're trying to address is that once, you know, we, we experience this at Shapeways, you buy a new printer, you start printing more and the happy, everybody's happy and the company is growing. Um, and once you're in a couple of years, then the, you, you've got a write off of the of the capex of the, the, the capital investment that you've done in the printers. And because you're printing uh, more volumes, the price of the materials goes down. Mm-hmm. Um, but once you start really growing fast, then all that goes down and suddenly the labor costs start creeping up. And you know, design at the front end is completely digital. Um, printing, manufacturing is completely digital. But the handling after all that printing is all manual labor. So, mm-hmm. you know, growing a company by adding printers up front meant that you have to recruit more people in the back end to process all those pieces. And that just wasn't scalable. And that's basically why we, uh, Stephen Rigg, uh, the former VP Global um, Manufacturing of Shapeways, uh, started the company in 2018 uh, to solve this issue that, you know, it, it, you couldn't grow bigger without automating the back end. Mm-hmm. Um, and the key thing that we had to resolve, first of all, was, 3D printing, you can print anything, and especially a company like Shapeways with thousands of individual uh, customers, all printing one-offs or two or whatever. So a lot of high volume and high mix and no way to identify each individual individual part coming out of a printer than by looking at it. And if you're doing that with people, if you've got 10 pieces on a piece on a table, then you can identify it fairly quickly. But if you've got hundreds, then it works against you. And Mm -hmm. so the core thing that we had to resolve is how can you identify a part purely based on geometry? No tags, no labels, just its form. And because that was the reality. And that is what we solved. And that is basically the core of our proposition, which is called AIM Vision. Mm-hmm. And because you can now identify parts, you can start routing them. So you can sort them in bins for parts that need post-processing, like tumbling or dyeing or polishing. So you can start routing all the individual steps for one particular order. And ultimately, you can bring it all back down to the DC uh, and get it ready for shipment. 
Um, and we've got some other products in between that enable that, but I guess we'll get to that later. So the key thing around it is because we can identify parts, you can now not you can only not only route it, but you can also track and trace each individual part. Mm-hmm. And in conversations with service providers and not just Shapeways, but many others, yeah, parts do get lost somewhere in the facility because it's been lying around on a desk or someone uh, le- left it there and then moved on to pick up something else and it dropped or whatever it is. So there's also a quality aspect around it. So there's mm-hmm. all of this is about um, taking the hands out of that system. And mm-hmm. again, the core is if you can't identify it, you're unable to do this. Yeah, and to kind of add on the the example of Shapeways there, I mean, when I went to visit Shapeways, I think it was in 2018 now, just seeing the sheer volume of parts that are they're coming out of those machines and the way they're all they're, they're stacked so so uh, densely and um, it must just be a nightmare to try and sort those parts but when they come out and it is a very streamlined process but you can and immediately see how solutions like this would really be beneficial to a very large manufacturing setup like that and as you just said then there are several different types of solutions that you can incorporate into this workflow I think the most recent one was your AM bagging solution which was launched around Formex with these different solutions, how did you kind of come to identify which ones are the most important steps to automate? Did you have to look at kind of conventional manufacturing workflows to see where additive was really missing out or? Well, no, in all honesty, we, we had already looked into the, the conventional environment. You know, there's a lot of sorting systems around for retail. You know, hmm. that's that's not going to be the issue. That That kind of technology has been around for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, including also computer vision to identify, you know, uh, um, shapes, whether it's uh, fish or meat or whatever it is. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, those systems been around. The, the key thing around it is that what makes this so special is that additive manufacturing is dealing with an infinite infinity of geometry. Basically, you can mm-hmm. print anything at any time. You're going from N is one to N is hundred or a thousand. It doesn't matter, but you can print anything anytime. So the key thing around it is that we, what we did is basically dive into different uh, environments, uh, facilities, additive manufacturing facilities, um, basically all organically grown because 3D printing was becoming a, a success, basically. Um, and just finding out that, hey, what what is costing time? Uh, is, it, is it just identification? Is it sorting? Is it routing? Uh, can we help with bagging? Uh, you know, if you can, a lot of the stuff that goes through a service provider, for, for instance, doesn't need any real post-processing. You know, it just needs unpacking. If it's SLS or, or powder bed, it just needs unpacking, cleaning, then you're ready. And then it just needs to go out to shipping. So you might as well just, once you've gone through the system, put it in a bag with a label on it, with the name of the client, the type, the product that it's in there or the the, the material that you've printed in or the printer even that you want, you, you have printed it in. And then suddenly that plastic, that piece of bagging is not just very efficient for the DC. It also almost becomes a, a marketing instrument because you're showing the client what you've done with that particular piece. Mm-hmm. And it's all in that bag and then it gets shipped out. So we just found out about what is the actual benefit in terms of speed, right? So running through the system and and something like a bag with a label on it covering 80% of the volume, that's already a big, big uh, help for a service provider or any other kind of large-scale 
and what we call high volume, high mix additive manufacturing facility. And so to ensure that these solutions really slot into these existing manufacturing setups, are you having more conversations with the end user or are you having to also communicate with 3D printing vendors themselves to find out how your technologies communicate with their hardware? So what we do at the moment is we are, first of all, we collect the data. So we understand, we identify a part and then we can say, guys, we've un- we've identified a part. We send that data back to the ERP system that's in the company. Mm-hmm. All right. So there's an order okay. system that has outlined exactly what has to be done with a particular order, with a print file. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then we just feedback it's been identified. Then we can say it's going to uh, di- to polishing and then it needs to go to dyeing or what any kind of other standalone quality improvement step, which is basically what post-processing is all about. Mm-hmm. Um, so we feed that data back in. So our conversations are much more with, with we, we build an API to connect with the ERP systems. And now the next step is, wow, it would be great if we could literally automate all steps. So yes, we are talking to, for instance, post-processing uh, uh, providers, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's post-process technology, AMT, Dimension, Russler and AM Solutions, to name a few, but we're in discussion with them to see how we can then build this automated product line so that we come to a standardization, for instance, on, hey, how about using... Um, um, instead of using cobots, which you use in large uh, facilities, um, you can just put it on uh, on a conveyor belt. So, what is the height of the conveyor belt? Where do you put it, etc. So, you could those, could, those uh, aspects can be standardized, and then you're building that with the market as a whole. So, those are the kind of conversations that we're having at the moment. Mm-hmm. You mentioned early on, of course, Shapeways and how this applies to other kinds of service provider type businesses, but also some um, huge clients and, and businesses that I know you spoke about when we uh, talked around Form Next again. Um, can you just speak a little bit about the, the readiness of additive manufacturing for this kind of level of, of automation? Because we do see this in, this kind of increasing number of smart options now coming onto the industry that really kind of link up all the various parts of the, uh, of the process chain but we perhaps haven't seen things like this before so can you just talk about where the demand is coming from and again just just how how ready the industry is for this kind of step well, that's a very interesting question now uh, you know readiness market readiness is all you know, some, sometimes up in the air mm-hmm. um, so we've been very fortunate to link up with a couple of visionary companies who already established for themselves sort of the situation that we experience in shapeway so if you mm-hmm. keep on growing the output, how are we going to resolve all the handling at the end? Um, now, the key thing that additive manufacturing as an industry uh, needs to focus on is ultimately going to be cost per part and lead times. Mm-hmm. Of course, quality of the output is a prerequisite. You know, we can't we can't sort of fuddle. A, about with quality the quality needs to be great because it's being compared to a the output of a mature um uh, fully automated existing uh technology which is called inject molding or, or you know or cnc and whatever the, the technology is but those are very mature uh, manufacturing uh, technologies 
And we are not we are not that mature yet. We're getting there step by step. The first 30 years we've been investing in hardware, the printer, improving the output of the printer, both in quality, in speed, um, in volume. Uh, we've been increasing what we can do with software, with nesting and getting the best out of one print run. Materials have been developed, you know, all of that. There's been huge investments in that over the past three decades. Um, and automation now is just coming into uh, into the arena because we're seeing the consequence of our business or our market, basically, our market, our industry is growing. Mm -hmm. We all want it to grow. You know, we're only producing at best 1% of all the manufacturing output in the world in terms of uh, in financial terms. So we've still got a long way that we can grow. So the volumes are still going to increase, but we need to drop the prices. Mm -hmm. And if we cannot drop the prices, anybody who wants something produced will make a balanced equation of what can I get with a with an existing technology and what will I get with additive manufacturing. Mm -hmm. And that is the key thing that the market, I believe the next couple of years, maybe five, maybe 10. So I don't know about how ready people are, but we are getting noticed and we are getting attention from the market and companies that we didn't have on the radar are approaching us now because we created some more um, awareness and um, and you guys helped uh, with that of course in the past <laughs> but um, by creating that awareness that this is an issue that's on the table uh, companies are coming to us and starting to think wait a minute can i already implement this or can i create if I want to grow for the next five to 10 years, can I create that environment already? What yeah. steps can I take? And that is that is happening now. That is not something for tomorrow or the day after. That readiness, that, that, that uh, sort of inquisitive finding out what's available in the market to help this solve this problem, that's happening right now. That that's really interesting and and really a nice positive sign of the, of the way the industry is evolving because we we have we are seeing this maturity happen. We do have some what we call kind of super users of additive manufacturing uh, companies like BMW, for example, that are uh, mass producing parts for their vehicles. Um, and I know that you've got some uh, well known customers that you're partnering with or that are using your technologies. So can you just talk to me a little bit about uh, where these kind of solutions are having the most value and any kind of current customers that you've got that you're allowed to share with us? Uh, Shapeways and BMW and Midwest Prototyping in the US have been the three key launching customers for us and they've been using our uh, solution stack and everything that we're adding to it. They, uh, they're they going to try it out and they're part of still helping us develop that uh, full end-to-end uh, -end production line. So uh, very important stuff. And we've added other players like Materialize, and uh, with Oceans, um, to mention uh, two uh, service providers, we have got a Dutch uh, um, service provider for color printing called Market Tiger. We're working together with them. Um, so, and then we've got a long list of uh, uh, customers that we're talking to this very moment. And mm -hmm. so that is, it's not, these conversations are not just about, um, you know, purchasing a system. It's also understanding the full workflow because mm. that's something that a client needs to start thinking about is if I automate this, what does the back end need to look like? And to an extent, they have created environments that solve 
the issues that they had in the past. And what they now need to do is to design for the future. So that mm -hmm. workflow um, element is now something that we're also doing with our clients, literally sitting down with them and designing the full backend workflow for all the steps behind a printer. And we're doing that with these customers, as I mentioned uh, early on. And what typifies these customers is not just that you know they're they're, they're early in the market, they are you know, true innovator or early adopters in in that sense, um, but they are all uh, high volume and what we call high mix. So they mm -hmm. what they produce is not just um, uh, a batch of one particular. Uh, object and then uh, it's serial uh, printing, so to speak. Uh, but even because of the efficiencies that they, they're seeking from the printer, even if they're doing a serial print, they will also include other parts in that same batch because it just makes economical sense to make to capture the best out of one single print. Because ultimately, if you don't, you need to reuse the material that you haven't used in that print and then you get the issues of the mixing and getting the right quality out of a sort of mixed powder etc etc so you have to look also at the economies of using the printers mm -hmm. um, so we're, we're dealing with customers that have what we call a high volume high mix profile and we're seeing a lot of these actually just falling on our in on our desk literally with a we didn't know that we didn't know they existed and right. these are all mid-sized companies that are still continuing to grow and uh, they they are finding out that they're not prepared yet for that growth and mm -hmm. put aside you know what corona has been doing to us the past year and a half structurally there's nothing wrong in the market i think that growth will come back you know it will bounce back uh, to normal uh, levels or even beyond that because during corona um, we found that uh, 3D printing can actually impact, I don't know, supply chain strategy or impact uh, mm -hmm. direct on demand uh, production of, in this case, PPEs that we needed for um, for the healthcare workers. So, you know, um, these are all, all aspects that are pushing this demand or at least the appeal of additive manufacturing to come up with solutions. And mm -hmm. I think that is just going to continue to grow. And with that, we're going to see a lot more players coming up with a growth um, uh, query, which is I need to develop myself to get ready for my growth. Can you help us? Can you help us scale this business? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that about additive manufacturing really being seen as a, a bit of a whether a temporary solution or a long-term solution for some of those supply chain disruptions and it will be interesting to see now whether some companies that have maybe temporarily adopted 3d printing will actually decide to to use that now going forward because maybe they've realized it, it is a better solution than what they already had in place yeah and i did it is it, i believe it's also going to be a conversation with the end users the you know the customers mm -hmm. that have asked for it they can now see and they have experience that additive manufacturing can actually deliver and so now 3D printing is not just about a production technology, but it's about literally a it's a uh, it, it's a production strategy. How do you do it? We can get stuff from uh, somewhere else. It's not just about the technology. We can include it in the overall approach of obtaining the, the, the products that we're seeking. 
So, yeah, I, I strongly believe it's not just up to us from an additive market itself, but it's also um, the end users, the customers, the people who have made use of it, that they start thinking, wait a minute, let's review what we've done in the past, because this could be a very, very useful uh, solution. Yeah, it's almost, it's almost like all of the benefits that the additive, additive manufacturing industry has been saying for a very, very long time are finally being, it may not be a good situation that they're being heard, yeah, in, but yeah. it's really kind of opened up those conversations in the way that we wanted to. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's a shame we have to have a pandemic to get there. You know, it's a, you know, it's one that I, I mentioned it earlier in, in, in another conversation, the sort of the black swan that came from the left and nobody saw it coming, but it's actually impacted no, it's, it's true what you're saying. It's, it has impacted the perception of what additive manufacturing can do. It's not just prototyping. It's not, you know, just with all the respect for all my colleagues in, in, in the industry, you know, sort of playing in the sand and, you know, is it going really going to deliver? And mm. I think that, you know, we've had the opportunity uh, with the pandemic to, to show what we can do. And, um, and again, there are already many companies um, reconsidering their supply chain and mm -hmm. that's already a start that's already a great start because then you understand that there is a there is a problem in that sense and that you can address it differently and mm -hmm. that's why i i'm reiterating you know that additive manufacturing is not just a choice for a kind of uh, manufacturing technology it's a manufacturing strategy choice it's strategic mm -hmm. and i hope companies are going to start seeking out what they want to do with this technology in the future. Mm -hmm. Coming back to the need to think about the, these kind of back-end systems and the end-to-end the -end workflow, I wanted to elaborate on something that um, we spoke about um, towards the end of last year, where you kind of explained that your belief that additive manufacturing R&D has historically focused on just the, the printing part of the value chain. And it is a bit pretty familiar belief in the industry that post-processing, and I guess we are talking about post-processing steps here, is a neglected part of the additive manufacturing conversation. Do you think that's changing? Are people now starting to think more seriously about what they do after the, the printing portion? Is this being highlighted more about how necessary these processes are? Yeah, I, I, I hugely believe so. You know, just see the development of, of colleagues like Dimension and in the post-processing mm. games, all these post-processing entities coming up with solutions that are all about quality enhancement. It's not just that the, what comes out of the printer is really good stuff, but it is it needs to meet the requirements of your end client. And there's only so much that the printer on its own can do at the moment. I'm not saying they won't get there and improve because I, I get, once again, continuous attention to the quality of the output is a prerequisite for our market. But in the meantime, we companies have just stepped into this, this niche basically of how can I improve whether it's coloring or whether it's polishing or whether it's surface treatments, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But also if you're looking at different technologies like support removal, et cetera, mm -hmm. you know, that kind of stuff. We do need these additional steps to get to the end point where the printed product is exactly what the end client, the guy, the, the lady at the end or whoever has actually ordered. And mm -hmm. that is the definitive stage. That is what you need to meet up against. So that's, mm -hmm. that's crucial. So I think post-processing is still a hugely important part of the overall value chain, creating mm -hmm. the value for that end product that you deliver. Mm 
Um, but these have all developed as sort of individual workstations. There's almost separate departments in post-processing. Yeah. And that's where you then get the issue of how do you automate with, you know, parts going left, right and center. Uh, and you need to keep track of one individual order or even one piece in an individual order. So then that comes back to what we do. Um, but yes, you've got a, a, a lot of um, uh, post-processing now. And I think that's increasing. There's it's 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 um, become uh, an a part it's already part of that value chain so i think we're going to see that grow and and again i'm not saying that quality can't out of the printer won't improve i think that will still improve but i also feel that post-processing and improving to you know generating that value that you need for the end client i think that's still going to be around for a while so yeah mm -hmm. I mean, I guess the fact that people are thinking more seriously about these end-to-end -end, uh, solutions is the fact that you guys won the start of challenge at last year's Formnext, which is, of course, voted for by industry peers. I mean, you must have been pretty pleased with what that says about how this industry is maturing and the more people that are really um, kind of crying out for, for automation solutions like this. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we were pretty near <laughs> that. Was, we were very happy when when that <laughs> happened. Yeah, no, no. It's 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 lovely to get that kind of support from your peers. Um, although we're still very very early stage, you know, it's uh, we're just scaling up. But it's um, yeah, absolutely. This was a huge um, valuation uh, of what we believe to be a need in the market. Um, so that that's that's enormously important for us. So yes, we're going to just uh, be, based on that, we're going to push on and push on us because we believe this is going to be uh, an important contribution, um, not just as a business, but to get um, additive manufacturing again um, on the radar um, and contributing by automating to not create out of necessity a situation where you've got all sorts of people doing manual labor because mm. you know there was no solution because wait a minute this is a digital manufacturing market isn't it so you want to avoid creating that mistake and getting it letting it grow bigger and bigger so we need to automate now and on top of it you know, most most of these environments, it's actually the engineers that in in the work in, in in the facility that are doing this sort of almost you know well stupid identification and sorting work. So it's boring mm -hmm. anyhow. So you don't want that to grow. That's not it's not necessary to grow that because your company is growing. So we need to come up with that solution right now. And then of you asked earlier on what are the key benefits? Well, it's all about speed. It's all about driving the cost down because you're cutting out manual labor um it, it it's improvement of quality you have less handling literally less handling we want to get into a situation that a part comes out of the printer and nobody handles it so it's all automated so nothing can hopefully nothing can go wrong and if if nothing can go wrong basically what we're saying we want to work towards six sigma kind of quality mm -hmm. output of the process uh, because that's where the rest of other markets, the other that you were uh, referring to earlier on, other markets are there already with their Six Sigma. We're nowhere near it. So, again, this is uh, a, a very important play in that sense. Um, and um, getting this 
accolade by our peers at this point in time is hugely important. Um, mm. And it does indicate that, yes, there's going to be a need. And yes, all high, you know, all larger entities, but also mid-sized entities, and even the ones that are small now, they'll be growing into towards this kind of problem anyhow. So you might as well be prepared for that growth. And I think everybody wants to see us grow. Everybody wants to see the market grow. Everybody wants to see, everybody wants to see the number of applications of additive manufacturing grow. Because when, once we do deliver on those core promises, the benefits of additive manufacturing, it's a great technology. It's a great solution. And so we need to convince the market that it's worthwhile. And um, again, um, this price, the Form Next Startup Challenge, yeah, that was great. And um, I think, um, you know, and, and, and in all honesty, there are other um, environments where they're also trying to develop uh, similar kind of ideas of mm. how to automate. So we're not the only ones. And that's also for us a complete confirmation. Great stuff. We need to do this as a market. And as much as I'd like to end this podcast with just you saying additive manufacturing is a great technology, I just want to to, to finalise. <laughs> you can cut me there. That's no problem. <laughs> uh, by just uh, finding out what's going to be coming next from you guys, you've just mentioned you're still in the early stages. You're going to keep pushing on. You've had this investment as well over the last year. What can we expect to see next from AM Flow? Well, the first thing we do as a startup company, we need to listen to our customers and to the people we talk to in the market. So, And that's what we've done. And uh, one of the uh, interesting responses we got when we sort of launched uh, our business was that people say, wow, you can identify stuff. That's great. And then sort of, and then, you know, what does that help us or whatever it is? But funny enough, the second question that comes then is, um, if you can identify stuff, can you say something about that product? So mm. we were pulled in automatically into quality assessment. We have received many, many, many queries about, does your system also do quality assessment? And this also plays into, as I said, the value creation with post-processing and increasing the quality of the printer, but ultimately the quality of the output at the end. So we need to have some kind of assessment of 3D printed parts. And it needs to be um, done as quickly as what we're doing with identification, right? We can do that in 0.2 seconds and, and running it through our sorting system takes eight seconds. So, it, you know, it can be done on an industrialized speed. Saying something about the quality of the print, that's a bit tricky. You've got quite some, first of all, you've got very many different, definitions of what the quality of a printer should be is it the surface is it the the walls uh, is it is it actually the internal structure what is it that you're actually look, talking about with quality or is it just simple breakage you know it's, it didn't come out the printer the right way um so we are working very hard now to develop something that what we're going to call is am quality as our next addition to the uh, solution stack that we have hoping to help companies uh, assess the quality of output again within an industrialized setup. Um, but we're working on it. We're not there yet. Uh, hoping sometime end of the year. Uh, but it's all hands on deck at the moment because it's not an easy task. And now a word from our sponsor, Automaker. 
Ultimaker are a manufacturer of desktop extrusion based 3D printers that can help streamline your workflow and save you time and money. Ultimaker printers offer industrial grade material options backed by an extensive materials alliance program and they're also paired with trusted Cura slicing software which recently surpassed a milestone of 2 million users. For the decade in the additive manufacturing industry, Ultimaker machines have been used by a wide range of industrial customers for a range of applications. For more info, click the link in the description or visit mytct.co forward slash Ultimaker pod.